The community where I first served after my curacy in Halifax was farmland about an hour outside of the city and clustered around the town of Wolfville, which is a small university town, as some of you may already know. I had three churches in my parish, and I would travel around each Sunday morning to all three of them. And as in any parish, when you enter into it, you enter into a new culture. And it was no different there. One of the lovely things that happened in that parish was that when someone was expecting a child, the entire community, regardless of their religious affiliation, threw a baby shower. So at the Port Williams Community Center, on the second floor, everyone would gather around in chairs that had been set out, and people would present things that they had knitted or that they had purchased, things that maybe they were handing down if they were a family member, in order to show that it takes a village, and in this case, three of them, to raise a child. That the whole community was behind this couple as they looked forward to the arrival that would change their family forever. That's kind of what's happening in today's story. You have a bunch of people gathered around a newborn child, they are from differing faiths, as we see with the arrival of the wise men, people not from Israel, but people from the East, from a different religion, from a different culture, and yet they are to do the same thing, to welcome this child. And the arrival of that child, like the arrival of any child in any home, would change lives forever, but this time more than simply the lives of the immediate family. Some of the gifts that were opened were accompanied with oohs and ahs in these community showers. You can kind of get the sense if you've ever been to one. If you've said ooh about three gifts in a row, it's probably time to move on to ah for a little while. You have to say something, right, to acknowledge the gift. Well, I wonder what it would have looked like if we were having a shower for someone in our community and they opened a big pot of gold. What do you think, Clara? Yeah, <laughs> her thumb just went up. Yeah, a big pot of gold would be a lovely thing to open up, wouldn't it? Frankincense? Mm, you know, it smells nice. We use it here. And it does cover a multitude of smells, which uh, babies tend to bring with them. But the last gift is the strangest one of all, myrrh, which is essentially, <laughs> Clara's doing this, which is essentially embalming fluid in the time. I mean, I don't think there'd be many oohs and ahs overtaking formaldehyde to a baby shower. So these gifts are clearly something other than the useful gifts. We've all seen that funny little cartoon where the three wise women show up later with diapers and formula. But these gifts are <clears throat> symbolic of who this child will be. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's breast is sleeping? This season that we begin today, the season of the epiphany, answers those questions, begins to take the, great, uh, the 
swaddling clothes off of the child so that the child might be revealed bit by bit to be not simply the king of the Jews, but the king of kings and lord of lords, the savior of the world, the Messiah, the Christ. So you all know from We Three Kings of Orient are, not the rubber cigar one, but the real one, that the gifts represent the kingship of Jesus, the divinity of Jesus, and the mortality of Jesus, which will eventually lead to his suffering and death for our sakes. Those are the symbols of those gifts. And the symbol in the presence of the wise men themselves, people from another nation, the Gentiles, the other, not us, but them, is an indication, a manifestation, that God has come and loves and belongs to all peoples of the earth. And the things that divide us are not things of God. It's love and the things that unite us which demonstrate God's presence with us. Well, today I just want to talk a bit about another thing that we discover in this story of the three wise men. Actually, it doesn't say three. I'm sticking with the hymn, aren't I? It just says the wise men. There might have been 43. Who knows? Maybe there were two. I guess there had to be at least three. It symbolizes and it lays out for us some truths about the journey that we are all on. That is our spiritual journey. Ooh, there is a manifestation. Uh, The journey that we all make and that we all desire and long for, in some ways from the depths of our very being, to a higher truth, to a greater ideal, to a deeper love, to a lasting peace, to a fulfilling joy, to a sustaining hope, to an embracing God. This is the journey that spurred on those wise men, that had them get up and leave everything they knew and wander who knows how far until they came to the place where the star rested. Now, most people think that they were probably astrologers, which means that they studied the sky for answers. So this is what compelled them to follow this strange star that had never appeared before, to find out what lay at the end of its journey, which, as it turns out, would be both the end of their journey and the beginning of their journey. But more about that in a moment. Well, what that says to you and to me is that God is not going to send down a lightning bolt for us when we want an answer. We're not going to have some Shazam kind of abracadabra moment when all shall be revealed and the answers are laid out before us in the barest of forms without having to involve our wills or our minds in any way. That's not how it works. Our journey into holiness, our journey closer and closer to God, our journey with the Christ, is not simply about being dragged along. It's about being led. It's about using our own capacities to think, 
It's about using our minds. It's about using our reason in cooperation with the revelation of God. So it's not simply one or the other, not just God saying, oh, you who right there, and not simply us coming to the answers by our own intelligence and wisdom, but a glorious combination of the two that leads us to the one who is the two, God and humanity in perfect harmony in human flesh and divine heart. So use your noggin. Pay attention to your doubts. Listen to your fears, but don't simply dwell on them. Look as well to the scriptures, to prayer, to music, to the things of the divine that guide us and lead us along the path to the Christ. The second component of the journey of the wise men, which is consistent with our own spiritual journeys as Christian people, is the offering of something. Now, Clara put her thumb up at gold, but all three of these gifts were precious things in that time, costly things. What do you offer to God this day? Do you come here this day and every day simply to take, or do you also offer? Do you offer yourself, your soul, your body, as the Book of Common Prayer will put it? Do you offer some meager change that rests on your bureau in your bedroom? Or do you offer something that is deep, something that is the best of yourself, the best of those gifts being your very self? You'll notice that many of us, when we are about to hear the gospel being read or about to read it, we will do this when we talk about the gospel. I offer my mind to you, Lord, as I follow you. I offer my lips that I may sing and speak of you. I offer my heart to the work of the gospel that love may be made known through me. That's why we do it, not because we've always done it this way, which is probably why some of us do it, but to remind ourselves that God wants our whole selves. And the perfect offering is the offering of your mind and your heart and your life to the divine. Connected to that is what I referred to as the second journey of the wise men, going back home. But they go back home another way. And if we go back home from this place, from receiving the sacrament of Christ in the manger of our palms and consuming him, manger, manger, that he might feed our lives, if we just go out there and nothing is different and we're not transformed in any way, then there's a disconnection somewhere. The Christian life, the Christian journey is not just one about, of arrival. It's one that celebrates and elevates the journey itself until our final arrival. It's one that transforms us by the words we hear, transforms us 
by the scriptures we read and the prayers that we make and the music that elevates our minds and our souls that much closer to the divine. That's the purpose of this service and every service, not to entertain you, not to please you, so I don't really care if there are elements you don't like, because it's not about us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. If we don't lift them up and allow our hearts to be transformed, then we would be like the wise men, just stuck in the stable, and all that's left is manure and hay and nothing that's life-giving. It says in today's gospel that when the wise men came to the Christ child, to this leg, the end of this leg of their journey, they were filled with joy. Joy is the fuel that will drive that second part of the journey. Not glum faces, not expectation, not backbiting, not power struggles, but a heart and a mind and a soul gathered around the cradle of the Holy One, the cradle of the long-awaited one, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us on every step of that journey to continue to guide us, to continue to inspire us. That gift is laid before you today, and it's up to you whether or not you will carry it out that door and into your life. Amen.